And if you've got a goal for the day, you've got to seize the moments in the day that are going to take place so that you can accomplish your goal for that day. And you've got to seize the day. And that literally means this, to attack the day's efforts with vigor and purpose. Attack today's efforts, our agenda, what God's got planned for us. Attack it with vigor and attack it with purpose. It's not something that happens haphazardly. If you go looking for a sick person, you're going to find a sick person. Amen. And so you must attack today with vigor. That means gumption. That means hunger like we talked about last week and purpose. A plan that you know what you're going to do when you run into the people that God is bringing your path to cross. And so reach is not a one-year vision or a five-year strategic plan. It is a daily plan that we execute. Now listen, reaching is not about reaching the 65,000 people in this area. Now, I know that sounds weird, but I need you to bear with me for a second. It's not about reaching 65,000 people. It's about reaching one person with the love of Jesus Christ on an individual basis and repeating that process individually 65,000 times. See, so many people get caught up in the numbers and the masses when God's still concerned with individual and, and singular hearts. So our goal in reaching in this 20-mile radius, it's not about reaching 65,000 people. It's about reaching one person with the love of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ and their individual needs and what their life requires and repeating that 65,000 times till everyone receives the love of Jesus Christ. It's a whole different strategy than saying, let's go blanket this 20-mile radius with flyers. No, let's go see individuals and show them the love of the Father. And if we're going to do that, we have to seize the day. We've got to seize the moments in the day, attack it with vigor and purpose. And that means we've got to be on the lookout, and our hearts have got to be attentive to the Spirit and the power of God in us, that when we see a person, you know that, that that's your moment. In every battle, you have that moment where the tide changes. You have that moment when something happens, and your moment, many times we missed it because we didn't seize the moment, and in not seizing the moment, we lost the battle of the day. But not after today. We will see the moment, we will seize the moment, and we will seize the people in the moment to accomplish the work that God has us. And at the end of the day, we'll be able to look back and say, we won the victory today in this battle. Amen. And so we must begin to operate with that kind of mindset. And this is how we're going to do it. It's going to be done as an act of worship. This is what we talked about a few weeks back. Our worship and our works cannot be separated. Our works and our worship must be one and the same that when we leave here, our, what we do is an act of worship to the Father. Everything that we do must be an act of worship to the Father. When you're driving down the road and you see somebody with a flat tire and you've got to help them fix their tire, that's an act of worship to the Father if you'll do it with the right heart and mindset. But we missed 20 opportunities to be the church driving to the church. And we must change our vision the way we look. And so how are we going to do this? We're going to make everything we do as an act of worship. We're going to look at people with new lenses. We're not going to miss opportunities. We're going to see them as the Father sees them. It'll be driven by the hunger that's within inside us that only the Spirit of God can satisfy. And it'll be displayed in a power like lightning that has a demonstration of God's power that changes the world that we live in. Hey, that's a brief overview of the last four messages. Amen. You're now all caught up. If you're not caught up, go to the app, download it, TWBCSS in your app store. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It's this kind of intensity that's going to, it's this kind of intensity of culture that is going to be displayed. It has to do something and be so amazing. And it's got to do this. This, this culture that we're going to try and influence and change, it cannot be a culture that comes from up on us. It's got to come from within us. A lot of people in the church praying, oh, God, let an anointing come upon me. No, let an anointing rise up from within me. 
You are filled and endowed with the Spirit's power. And I don't know why you're asking for a double portion of what Elijah got with Elisha and all this. You got the anointing that Christ himself walked in. Why do you want an Old Testament anointing in a new time, new time uh, Christianity? Man, people always pray, oh, God, give me, give me this like the Old Testament. People, no, I want the New Testament and what God gave us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I got born again, he put the Spirit in me as a deposit guaranteeing my salvation. And then Jesus baptized me with the Holy Spirit and with fire as of lightning. And so I got it within me. And so I don't want an anointing to come up on me. I want it to rise up from within me so it's a part of me, so it changes the culture around me. Amen. Because if it comes from within, it probably is not going to depart. Come on. If it comes from with on or up on, it has the opportunity of departing. I want it to come from within, that it's a part of you. Just like your worship in your work, your works are, are your worship. It's one and the same. The, the anointing comes from within. It's a part of you. It's what you're going to do. And if we're going to change culture, it's going to be displayed in this kind of intensity that comes from within and not just comes upon us. And so we must talk about time spent. If we're going to see this new culture manifest and take place in our life, this new culture that comes from within, it's going to occur because of time spent in the culture the culture of heaven. Now, we, do, we discussed a lot of this in the Abide series. If you missed the Abide series last year, go back and download it, listen to it all, and, and, and God will fill you in on all this. But we must get well acquainted with the culture of heaven. We must get so well acquainted with the culture of heaven that it begins to change who we are within. And so then the anointing that we're using to change the culture that we're of this world comes from within yeah. us. And so we must get very acquainted with the culture of heaven. So much so, Matthew says this in, the God, in chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Everybody say this day. Our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their sins or trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive yours. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. Mm. See, we all think about this culture of heaven thing as us walking around with an anointed hand and laying our hand on sick people and watch them rise up. It sounds like this culture of heaven thing is understanding what the true love of the Father is and receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness. And, and, and laying our hands on sick people is a product of forgiveness more so than a product of an anointing coming upon us. Come on now. You mean I got to forgive? Yes, you do. And some of you in this room this morning, you have an issue with forgiveness, and if you'll let it go, if you'll forgive, you'll walk in a power and an anointing that you've dreamed about. The one thing that's holding you back is forgiveness. We must forgive. Man, I'll watch. Oh, I ain't got time to get off this morning. I'll be watching TV, and I'll get so mad at something I'm watching, and God says, love them and forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Love them and forgive them. Love them and forgive them. So I had two choices. Love them and forgive them or turn the TV off. I turned the TV off. And then I loved them and forgave them. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I went to spend time in a prayer closet because I was convicted to love them and forgive them. 
And so we must get well acquainted with the culture of heaven. And I like to phrase it like this in Matthew 6.10. Let your kingdom or culture come, your will or your culture be done on earth in our culture as it is in heaven, your culture. Now the culture of heaven, it forgives, it heals, it cleanses, it delivers, it empowers. And those who were once lost and had no place have now found a place to call home in a new culture called a heavenly culture. Because they receive all that the Father has for them to receive. Now listen, if the kingdom of God does not influence the culture of our own personal life and conduct in the church, how do we expect the kingdom of God to do it to people outside of the church? If the kingdom of God does not affect my life personally in the church, why are we praying God let it affect people outside the church? You're the ones who love Jesus. You're the ones who praise Jesus. You're the ones who live for Jesus. You're the ones who embrace the Holy Spirit. If he's not changing you, how are you going to try and ask him to change them? You're asking for an anointing that you don't have from within. And that's okay, but you need to get well acquainted with the culture of heaven from within so you can pour it out from within. And then the culture that changed you from within will change them from within. If we are not letting the culture of heaven influence and change us in the church, how do we ever expect it to change people outside of the church? Well, you look just like me. The only difference is you got to get up early on Sunday morning. You cuss just like I cuss. You walk in bitterness just like I walk in bitterness. Our lives look exactly the same, except you go to church on Sunday. If the Spirit of God cannot change us within the church, why are we praying for it to change people outside of the church? We must be changed first. We must see God do a work in us from within. And then I love this part. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then give us this day our daily bread. Seize the day. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, we talked about this last week, the account of John 4, 31. It's the woman at the well, and this is where Jesus said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then in the Lord's Prayer, we, we just pray, God, give us today our daily bread. Do you see how all this is culminating and coming together? When Jesus said, I have food to, you, to eat that you know nothing about, my food is to do the will of my Father. And then we just pray in the Lord's Prayer, God, we want your will, the culture of heaven, to inhabit ours and give us today our daily bread to do your will. See, Jesus was living out the Lord's Prayer throughout this process in it. The God culture, listen to this, the God culture works opposite from the carnal mind. In the God culture, we said this last week, you have to release to increase. And that's why I wanted everybody to get prayed over this morning, because we wanted to release something, because we want a greater increase coming on the church. And so we wanted to release it so the church could go, so an increase could come upon us and the church and who we are. The, the God culture also works opposite of the carnal mind in this. We always say, pack me a lunch and I'll be ready to go. God says, go and I'll have lunch ready for you when you get there. Do we understand that? We always say this, oh God, just, just, just pack me a lunch. Show me how to get there. Tell me what to do. Give me a plan. Give me this. When God said, if you'll just go... I'll have lunch waiting for you when you arrive at the destination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I know that sounds con contrary to your carnal mind, but we got to understand this. When he talked to Abraham, the father of faith, he said, go to a place that I'll show you. And I'll tell you when you get there. <laughs> Come on. I read something that, that one of my good friends posted this morning. God planted a tree that he knew Zacchaeus would need to be in well before Zacchaeus was ever born. Yeah. 
And so as Zacchaeus was going, the tree that God planted for him to climb up to see Jesus was there. He said, go and I'll have lunch ready for you when you get there. But we in the church many times, we say, God, give me my lunch so I make sure I'm supplied for so I can go. Sometimes you just got to step out there and start going. Sometimes you just got to put that car in drive and let it start moving and then the GPS starts working. So you can plug the address in your GPS and hit go, and it's not going to say or do anything until you start moving. And if you start moving in the wrong direction, guess what it says? Turn around. And if a GPS can do that, we serve a good, good father, how much more will? Come on now. He instructs those who are moving as they go to do the will of the father. And so I find it weird that we as the church, we always say, God, give me my bread. And then I'll be ready to go. When the Lord's Prayer, we pray at all time. God said, go create the culture, and then I'll give you the bread. So God said, go make culture, and I'll give you bread when you're making the culture. We say, God, give me the bread so I can go make the culture. The carnal mind says, God, I want my security before I trust you. So it's really not trust where God says, trust me, and then I'll make sure you're secure in me. And so he said, go create culture, and I'll give you the bread. Men, Valentine's Day is on Tuesday. Correct. Have you made your dinner reservations yet? To the restaurant that you are taking your beloved significant other to. And you're not celebrating Valentine's, you're celebrating them, okay? Get all that junk out of your mind. I can't believe he's talking about Valentine's from the pulpit. I'm not. I'm talking about celebrating your, your, your significant other, Okay? But me and my wife, we, we love to save up three or four months of, of Dave Ramsey spending cash that we have. <laughs> three or four months, that shows how much little spending money we get. And we love to just go out to Dallas to a nice restaurant and eat uh, every three or four months. And we love to go do that. It's just something fun that we love to do. We love to try new foods. But no one in their right mind would ever think like this. You call the restaurant and make a reservation and you say, restaurant, send me the food to my house, cooked and prepared, and when I get to the restaurant, I'll have it with me to make sure it's with me, and I'll have my meal to eat when I get there. How ludicrous does that sound? No, you leave and you go to the restaurant for the experience. But so many people do that exact same thing to God. The God who can prepare the finest meal in the world for you, give you the greatest bread in the world. You say, God, give me my bread so I can have it with me when I walk into your fine dining establishment. When God says, no, come to my fine dining establishment and I'll give you bread. And we in the world think it is absolutely ludicrous for a five-star restaurant to send you a meal to your house. So you'll have it with you to carry into the restaurant. But when it comes to our faith, we say, no, I want the food in my hand before I go to the culture where it was created. God says, go to the culture where it was created, and I'll give you the food from my hand. We must change the way our carnal mind thinks to a renewed mindset that says, go. And the finest establishment of the culture of heaven is going to provide bread for you when you get there. So much so that Jesus said, my food, my bread is to do the will of my father, the one who sent me. And, oh, I wish I could go farther into this. Because when Jesus said, my food is to do the will or or, or the the one who sent me or give us today our daily bread, man, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And if you'll study bread throughout the Bible, I don't have time to go into it this morning. Jesus also said, I am the bread of life. 
oh, we got to break that down later in this year sometime. And here's the coolest thing. Some of us in our fine dining eating establishments, we like to be a little adventurous. Amen? I don't always just like going and getting the steak. Now, I love steak. Steak is great. Steak is amazing. We are beef people. Amen. I love it. I love a good steak. But you know what I love more than a good steak is when me and my wife go to a fine restaurant or a nice restaurant, and we walk into this nice restaurant, I don't say, what's the best steak you got? I say, what's the best thing the chef prepares? I don't know what he's going to give me. Somebody like, I'm not trusting that much money to go to somebody I don't know or good food. They don't get to be a fine dining establishment for no reason. I like to go in there, and the adventurous side of me says, what is the best thing that the chef prepares? And I don't care what it is, as long as it's not lamb. I don't don't like lamb, okay? And I don't care what it is. It can be fish. It can be steak. It can be some kind of chicken. It can be some kind of pasta. It doesn't really matter to me what it is. I want the very best the chef has to offer. In my faith walk, should it not resemble the same if I'm going to the finest thing the culture of heaven can offer with the greatest chef in the world, Jesus, who says, I am the bread of life. I'm going to give you bread to eat on a daily basis. Should I not go in and say, Jesus, I want my bread with a little butter and garlic on it. Jesus, I want the finest bread that you can prepare. You surprise me. See, that, that's trusting the chef. That's trusting the Savior. So much so that says, I want the culture of heaven so much so that as I'm going, I'm creating the culture of heaven that when I get there, I want the chef's surprise. And if that's walking across the street to my neighbor's house and leading them to Jesus, I'm all about the chef's surprise. If that's getting on a plane and going to Russia like Jeff is, that's the chef's surprise. If that's going to Arkansas, Louisiana in the four-state area, if that's the chef's surprise for the day, I'm going to seize the day. I'm going to seize the moment because I'm going to trust the chef moving forward because he's got the bread and in trusting the chef Matthew 10 7 comes to mind and it says Matthew 10 7 says and proclaim as you go saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the lepers cast out demons as you go is trusting the chef many of us when we read this we read it differently than it says a lot of us want an as-you-go type of experience with a if-I-go type of faith. That's good. That's good. Come on. See, a lot of us want an as-you-go five-star restaurant fine dining meal with an if-I-decide-to-go attitude. I wish, wish they would do something like that here in Sulphur Springs for me when you miss the experience of going to Dallas and receiving. Do you understand? The faith is, as you go, you'll experience what the five-star restaurant in Dallas has. But if you decide to go, you're never going to get there. A lot of us read verse number 7 in Matthew chapter 10 with an if-I-go type of faith when the Bible says proclaim as you go. It doesn't say proclaim if I go. A lot of us want uh, the anointing that comes with verse number 8 when it says proclaim as you go saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We want this anointing, heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. We want, an, uh, we want a verse 8 type of anointing without a verse 7 decision. See, the verse 7 says, proclaim as you go. 
We want, in verse 7, to say, proclaim if I go. We want the anointing of verse 8, no matter what, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. We want verse 8 anointing without a verse 7 decision. We want five-star dining without us leaving our living room. We must begin to change the way we do things and seize the day with an as-we-go type of faith. When the service is done here in, should be five minutes, <laughs> you got a decision to make. It's as I go. Many of you are making the decision, if I go, you know you're going. And if it's after 12.30 when second service is done, everybody's going. Because I'm not staying here with you all afternoon. <laughs> so there is an as-you-go decision already made in your head this morning. That you're going to leave this facility, but how are you going to go as you go? You're going to go with the verse 8, eight anointing because verse 7 has already decided that as I go. So as you go, as you leave this church house, you must have already decided, as I go, this is how I'm going to go. And that's with this anointing from within of healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, casting out demons, bringing the culture of heaven to my culture in this 20-mile radius right where I live and exist. This does not happen by bringing the multitudes to a box called a building. It happens by sending the multitudes out into the masses with the power of God. And listen, people can dog Starbucks all they want about being anti-Christian and not liking the church and stuff. Listen, I applaud Starbucks because they're building more churches than anybody else in the world. Here's why. I see more Bible studies going on in Starbucks than anything else. It doesn't matter if it's Rockwall, Greenville, Sulphur Springs. I've been in one in downtown Dallas, and I see people breaking open bread at every single yeah. Starbucks I go to every yeah. single time I go. Yeah. So I could care less what the, what, the, what the founder's belief is. I'm praising God that God's using an unbelieving person to plant yeah. churches all over the world because I see Bible studies in Starbucks everywhere. And so it's an as-you-go type of mentality that we must begin to walk in. And as I begin to close things up this morning, uh, Mitch, y'all go ahead and come on up. Worship, or ministers, come and begin to pray. A lot of us, and I've said this one, a verse 8 anointing with a verse seven, without a verse 7 decision. But here's the deal that I love. It says, as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now listen, this is more than a physical location, okay? This is more, I'm sorry, this is more than a time frame. It's a physical location. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. A lot of people read that and say, oh, well, of course it's at hand. Jesus was there. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. No, it's more than a time frame. It is a physical location. It was at the end of his hand. Because every time he laid his hand on a sick person, they got well. The kingdom was at his hand. What he touched, the kingdom was at a physical location. Now listen, when Jesus died on the cross, they pierced his feet and his hands. When his blood flows from his hands, his hands were redeemed and your hands became redeemed. Now the kingdom of heaven is more than a time frame. It's a physical location at your hand. And listen, the Bible always says this. It says this, that they laid their hands on them and blessed them. So when the laying out of hands happens, 
By faith, kingdom occurs. And so the kingdom of heaven is more than a place in time that Jesus was. It's at the end of your hand. And he said, go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give it. You got to release it to increase it. Come on. And listen, two men in the book of Hebrews are mentioned for one thing in the Hall of Fame of Faith. For laying their hands on their kids and blessing them. That's the only thing it said they did by faith. What are you laying your hands on? It says, as you go, proclaim this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means, oh, it's appearing. It has appeared. It's in you. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Boom, kingdom of heaven touched her. When you lay your hands on somebody and pray for them, kingdom of heaven should manifest. As you go, not if you go, as you go, you're going to walk in a verse 8 anointing of healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, casting out demons, all the other amazing things the Bible says we can do because the kingdom of heaven is at your hand. And during worship this morning, those hands were activated. I laid hands on every single person that came across the front and I said this word, God, activate them. Activate them with an anointing for the moment at hand. Activate them. So you're activated. My hands are hot just talking about that stuff. I don't get feeling stuff, so I just, I don't like that. It's at hand. You're activated. So now as you go this morning, I want you to make a decision to seize the day. Seize the moments in the day. So when you get done tonight, you can look back and say, I ran a good race today. I kept the faith. Now there is in store for me for today a crown of righteousness that will not fade. And with that crown, guess what you get to do with it? You get to come and lay it at the feet of Jesus one day. So you're seizing the day, but you're not seizing it for the day. You're seizing it for the other day when you get to lay today's victories at the feet of Jesus because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I got a two-hour message in 20 minutes I'm trying to get through. Father God, bring into their hearts what I can't say. Bring into their minds what I can't physically get across. Drop into their spirits this morning, God, all that you would have for them. God, for those who weren't able to come during worship, I pray they come now and get activated. Father, in the name of Jesus, I praise you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you that as we go today, we proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here, it's now. And we touch people and watch their lives be touched immediately, changed eternally. This morning, if you need to be born again and know Christ as your Lord and Savior, get ready for an amazing day. We want to hold your hand, pray a prayer with you, and tell you the kingdom of heaven is now at hand. It's entered your life. You've been born again a new creation.